Good afternoon, guys. Com Center Sports back at you once again. This is episode number 44 here on Thursday, January 23rd, 2020. Today, we're going to talk about the induction of Derek Jeter and Larry Walker to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, along with a guy who just missed out. And we're going to look forward into 2021 and see who's coming on the ballot. With me, as always, my co-host, Ben Nisman. Benny, what's going on, buddy? What's going on is a couple of guys making it into Cooperstown. One a no-brainer, one certainly in question. We're going to break down how they compare to other guys that are already in the hall, as well as guys that are just missed. Uh, looking forward to breaking it down with you, Joe. Yeah, this is going to be a great show. I look forward to this one. I've been looking forward to this one for quite a while. We did the uh, prediction show about a month or so ago, and uh, here it is. You know, this is the result. We kind of knew Derek Jeter was going to get in. You know, he's a guy. He's got uh, what six rings? Five five World Series rings. Was a Rookie of the Year, fourteen uh, time All Star, uh, five time Silver Slugger, uh, five time led all of baseball in hits in two thousand twelve. Yeah. Yep, uh, five-time gold glove. Career. Yep, has over three thousand hits. Has actually thirty-four. The three thousandth hit was a bomb. Mm -hmm. Just, just amazing memories with this guy. You know, the the flying into the into the uh, stands for that one grab. You know, he's uh -huh. he some of the some of the great the, memories. The uh, the Jeffrey yeah, Mayer the flip, home run. The flip play yep. we know about in two thousand one. Mm -hmm. um, just, I mean, how about his final uh, home game? He gets a walk-off hit in 2014. Right. Uh, superstar player, uh, stayed consistent, had the one little injury, but was basically on the field the whole time. And if you compare him to other 3,000 hit guys, like a Paul Molitor, mm -hmm. like a George, uh, maybe not George Brett, but a Paul Molitor, a Robin Yount, mm -hmm. um, he's better. I mean, even Craig Biggio, he's better than all these guys. Right. Right, and that's what we're going to do here. We're going to break down, you know, Derek Jeter's career. We're going to talk about the best memories we have of him. You know, we're going to talk about some comparable shortstops that are already in the Hall of Fame and see where he stacks up, you know. And, and toward the end, I'm sure we're going to talk about the fact that he didn't get unanimously voted in. Um, but let's start off with, 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 like I said, Derek Jeter batted 310 for his career, 377 on base percentage, 3,465 hits. 260 homers, 1,311 RBIs, 358 steals, 544 doubles, and not 1,923 runs scored. We know that he was a top-of-the-order hitter, a table setter, a fantastic leadoff hitter, always had a really high batting average, though never won a batting title, um, was just an all-around strong leadoff hitter with a really good lineup behind him more times than not. Um, when he stacks up, you know, who's the first guy you think of in a, as a good comparison, Benji, when you, uh, when you think of Derek Jeter, that's already a hall of famer at shortstop. As far as hall of fame shortstops, well, we wouldn't go in the direction of Ozzie Smith. Okay. Because I would certainly put him higher than that. Yep. Um, we were looking off air at a guy like Nomar Garcia Parra, who had a good run, but I guess just couldn't stay on the field. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe Cal. Potentially, but I would say Jeter is probably better than Cal. Um, so Cal Ripken had a two seventy six batting average. That's that's uh, yeah. worse than not as good. Than, no, worse than Jeter. Three forty on base percentage. Worse than Jeter. Uh, had thirty three thousand one hundred eighty four hits. That's uh, three hundred less than than Jeter. Uh, did play twenty one seasons. That's one more than Jeter. So some of these numbers, though they're skewed, that uh, that that Jeter had more and was better. 
Cal had more of an opportunity to improve them. However, when it comes to power numbers, Cal does take the cake there. He, he had 603 doubles. That's more than Jeter. Uh, 431 home runs. That's almost twice as many as Jeter. And 1,695 RBIs. That's almost 400 more than Jeter. Now, that obviously is the case of um, compiling. Cal. Well, not only that, but Cal did hit in the middle of the lineup for much of his prime. You know, he was right. he was a much different hitter than 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 Jeter. Um, you know, when he moved to third base, you know, he was much more of a a power hitter. You know, Cal was hitting mid to upper twenties with a peak of thirty home thirty four home runs in his career in nineteen ninety one. Jeter, his career high was twenty four home runs. So. Right. Again, Cal was a much, much more power hitter, whereas Jeter was the table setter, was the average guy. But it's a fairly decent comp, you know. the 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 average and the 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 average isn't that far off. It's only thirty five points. Um, I look at a guy like Barry Larkin, who Derek Jeter has pointed to and said that that was his idol growing up because he was such a good defender, was such a good guy with the bat. Um, 295 batting average for Barry Larkin. That's uh, 15 points less. 371 on base percentage. That's right in line with Jeter's 377. Right. But like what? Eight or 900 hits less or something. Um, the hits was 2300. That is that is a thousand fewer than Jeter. Um, 198 home runs. That's 70 fewer than than Jeter. Uh, 960 RBIs. You know, Larkin gets in. I think I'm not even quite sure what what Larkin was to was to get in, but he was certainly an All Star twelve times, nine times Silver Slugger. I think the era in which Barry Larkin played shortstop was a much weaker position, and right. you know he was a he was a, a power hitting shortstop. As again, he hit 33 home runs in 1996. You know he hit, but that was his peak, and that was the only time he hit more than 20 home runs. He hit 20 and only home runs six less ticks than uh, only six less ticks than Jeter in the on base percentage. Right, a 371 right. career on base is still pretty darn good in the championship as well. Right. So we're saying that he was that that Jeter was better than Larkin. He was better than yeah. Ozzie Smith. You know, he yeah. was he was more consistent and on the field more than Garcia Parra. Um, Cal right. is an interesting question because again, you talk about the consistency that Cal was in the lineup every single day. You know, the power numbers are far superior to Jeter. So that's kind of a wash. Um, we take a, we also off air talked about a guy like Robin Yount, who again, 3000 hits, in fact, 3,100 hits. It's still 300 short of Jeter. Um, right. the, the run score is, is comparable, but again, 1600 to 1900 for Jeter. I think that has more to do with the fact that again, Yount was a middle of the order hitter, whereas Jeter was the table setter. Um, Robin Yount, 251 home runs to Jeter's 260. You wouldn't have thought that. I thought I would have thought Robin Yount had more home runs. Um, Yount's RBI total is 1,406, about 100 more than Jeter. The steals total is what's interesting, 271 for Yount, 358, uh, 358 for Jeter. So Jeter was stealing more bases as well. I would say I would put him over Robin Yount. You know. Yeah. No, Jeter's batting average career puts him on a pedestal that's higher than all these guys. I mean, right. a guy like Greg Biggio, who's still who also cracked the three thousand mark, mm -hmm. he's got a two eighty one career average, and that's 
and it's pretty solid there, and we know all of his other accolades, but he has less at-bats and mm-hmm. less hits, and um, and the fact that he has so, like, so many less at-bats, but even still, Jeter has got the better batting average by 30 points or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Better, better on base percentage by ten by ten or fifteen points. Um, you know the steals total for BGO definitely definitely is better. But again, right. BGO was a different kind of player. You know the home runs right. are comparable, the RBIs Very are comparable. comparable. Yeah. So I like that comp, but again, I put him over BGO. I put him over. Uh, I put him over Larkin and 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 Ozzie Smith and Robin Yount. The one guy that we did talk about off air that that we're gonna that I'm gonna bring up now is Honus Wagner and and for each one of these players that got in we are going to bring up a guy from the distant past or at least you know not in our lifetime that that played this game Honus Wagner was an unbelievable player you know he, he lifetime 328 batting average that that trumps Jeter his on base percentage was 391 that trumps Jeter. Uh, the hits thirty four hundred and twenty to Jeter's thirty four sixty five. Jeter's got more hits. Honus Wagner played one more season, which I find interesting. Uh, Jeter's got more home runs, but again, this was a time where it was the dead ball era. It was the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. Honus Wagner never hit more than ten home runs in a season. However, he was an, an RBI machine, absolute machine. Seventeen hundred and thirty thirty two RBIs where he drove himself in only 100 times. That's amazing. Um, it trumps Jeter's 1,300 RBIs by 400-plus. You know, Wagner's, Wagner's probably one of the best shortstops. You know, Ernie Banks has a good good argument there as well to be the best shortstop in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, Ernie Banks with his 500 home runs and 1,600 RBIs. That certainly speaks volumes, but right. Jeter's going in, you know, first ballot, and and without a without a question, he deserves to be in there. Um, yeah. One more comp on the others before we get into sure. um, how um, he kind of got snubbed for the hundred uh, percent. I wanted to throw in a Paul Molitor because okay. another guy that cracked the three thousand hit mark. Sure. Fairly comparable, three oh six batting average. Yep. Um, over a th- uh, almost eleven hundred at bats. Uh, 234 home runs, so that's gonna. I mean, close. that's still le- it's still less, but close. Mm-hmm. But it's the stolen bases. He had 504 for his career to Jeter's 358. So that's the yeah. only reason why maybe you'd say he's in that realm. But still, I 369 on bases worse than Jeter's. The mm-hmm. batting average technically is Jeter's still probably better than this guy as well. Yeah. Yeah, Molitor had more doubles as well. I feel like Molitor was much more of a doubles hitter than a home run hitter. Uh, Jeter, you know, was certainly in that same vein, right? You know, 20, 30, 40 doubles every year for Derek Jeter. Uh, Paul Molitor, you know, same kind of same kind of makeup. You know, they were, you know, leadoff hitters for a lot of their time. And, yeah, congratulations to Derek Jeter. You know, deserved Hall of Famer. The, the... The issue with the the non with not being a unanimous Hall of Famer, where do you sit on that, Ben? All right. Well, uh, firstly, I do believe a guy like him should be unanimous. I don't know what another voter is thinking. Whether he thinks, you know, everybody is going to vote for him, so I'm going to use my votes somewhere else. And isn't that what a voter is entitled 
to do. Sure. Must he put a guy on his ballot that he knows is going to be a Hall of Fame? I don't know. I just don't know what the protocol and etiquette is there. Um, I will say on a maybe a controversial note, I never, and this has nothing to do with maybe why the voter went in this direction, right. I personally, Joe, never really thought that Jeter was great with the media. I always found him to be kind of snarky and sarcastic. Uh, the comment, you know, when he um, obviously the ball hit the bat and he acted like he got hurt and mm-hmm. he got uh, awarded first base when he clearly the ball hit the bat and it was a foul ball or whatever. But, you know, just little little things, not even necessarily that, but I always just found him to be very cocky and arrogant. There were little things there. I know there was um, a small story with two girls the next morning complaining at the front desk because he didn't validate their parking. Um, a woman that got sent home with the same gift basket months later because he forgot that he had been with her another time. These are little things, if that's the worst that he did, this is not that big of a deal. Right. Um, managed to actually stay out of the media and out of the limelight of a lot of negative things and who he was dating. Not like a guy like A-Rod. Other guys had a harder time with that. So I give him a lot of credit for how much he stayed out of the media. I don't, I don't think this has anything to do with why the voter went that way. I do know that if he's a Red Sox fan, um, he'll never have to pay for a cup of coffee ever again in Boston. But... Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I, it's probably my assumption is that the guy probably figured that Jeter is going to get in anyway, and he wanted to delegate the amount of votes that he has towards someone else to keep them on the ballot. Sure. And I think that's within their right as a voter. I have no problem with that. I do know that the people here in New York feel like the guy that didn't vote for him or woman should get shot. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of going to be the bias opinion of Yankee fans. I don't disagree that he shouldn't be. I mean, of course he should be 100%, especially if Mariano is, right? Because the fact of the matter is, Derek Jeter is a better player than Mario Mariano Rivera based on the importance of what they are. Mm-hmm. It's just the fact that Mo is the number one ever at his role, which is a fairly new role in baseball in the realm of how long baseball is going. A closer isn't I mean, it's not an ancient position, Joe. Mm-hmm. The The argument I will make against this, and I don't... Okay. If Ken Griffey Jr. was not unanimously elected, if Babe Ruth was not unanimously de- elected, if... I don't know. Who's who's another good comparison? Roberto Clemente wasn't, wasn't unanimously elected. And Mariano Rivera, who is the greatest closer in the history of baseball... And the last man to wear number 42 from Jackie Robinson. If that's the guy we're going to hold up on this pedestal as the guy that's going to be unanimously voted in, I can understand that because he's the best to ever do it at his position. Derek Jeter wasn't even the best shortstop on his own team. He was not the best shortstop in his own division for a period of time. I get it. The guy means everything to the New York Yankees. He brought you five World Series. He was the, what, the 7th or 8th Yankee captain, and they haven't named one since. I get it. He's a fantastic player, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, deserves to be first ballot. But unanimous? I think I'm off of that. I think I'm off of that, because if you can't elect Ken Griffey Jr. unanimously, then how are you going to justify Derek Jeter? 
Because no, Ken Griffey is clearly a better player. Yeah, yeah, and again, if you can't get him in unanimously, but you get in Mariano on the back of he was the best to ever do his, ever play his position, then you cannot tell me that Derek Jeter has to be the second unanimous player because right. he's also a Yankee and he means a lot to the a lot to the Yankees. He means a lot to them. I get it, but you know what? Kurt Schilling meant a lot to the to the Red Sox. Barry Bonds meant a whole lot to the to the to the Giants. And those guys Chipper have their Jones. own issues. Chipper Jones is a good one. Chipper Jones meant a ton to the Braves. He wasn't unanimous. Mike Piazza meant a whole lot to the Mets. He wasn't unanimous. I I just sort of rest my case there, right? If you weren't the best to far and away the best ever at your position. And you're not, you know, significant in the number of the, the the jersey number just adds it to Mariano, right? Like he was the last guy to wear that number before they retired it across baseball. Right. You know, there's something to be said for that as well. So I'm with I'm with everybody on Mariano was was unanimous and deservedly so. And I can see where somebody goes, you know what? I do need to use my vote somewhere else, like you talked about, where you know what? If he didn't vote for Derek Jeter and voted for Bobby Abreu, who Abreu is the only holdover from this year's ballot to next year. If Bobby Abreu gets one more year and people really have to start thinking about Bobby Abreu for the Hall of Fame because that person didn't vote for Derek Jeter, I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is if this guy voted for Derek Jeter or didn't vote for Derek Jeter, but voted for like, I don't know, Sean Figgins and, you know, JJ Putts, you know, that's, that's the, that's where you would be like, okay, this guy needs to get his vote taken away because he's obviously skewing things in the wrong direction. When, and if we ever find out who that voter was and where his, where his votes were, were cast, then yeah, I think we and, make a decision. And where he lives, apparently to Yankees uh, fans, because seriously, they're ready to think that this guy should lose his right to vote. Yeah. Look, if he did, if he did what I talked about with, with, you know, voting not voting for Jeter, but voting for you know uh, JJ Putz, who did get one vote this year. You know, if that's what happened here, then yeah, I think he does need to get his vote taken away. I'm not advocating wow. violence against the guy, but come on, if you're gonna vote for, look, there were four guys who got one vote this year. It was Raul Ibanez, JJ Putz, Brad Penny, and Adam Dunn. Those four guys okay. only got one vote. If you voted for one of those guys and did not vote for Derek Jeter, I have a problem with that. Okay. I think it's within their right. They earn the right to vote in a certain way. Maybe they have something personal. Where they, I mean, when people vote for something, whether it be the, you know, for a, the presidential campaign or whatever, they're voting on a personal sense, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's in their right, in my opinion, to say, I really like J.J. Putz. I really liked Raul Ibanez. Raul Ibanez is personally my favorite baseball player ever. So if Is I he a Hall of Famer, fame though, vote, Ben? Is Raul Ibanez a Hall of Famer? No, of course he's not. Okay. But that doesn't mean that I wouldn't vote for him. But what I'm saying is that would you vote for Raul Ibanez in spite of not voting for Derek Jeter? I don't know, because I don't have a vote, but he wouldn't go into my Hall of Fame ballot. If I say... Is this guy a Hall of Famer? I would say no, and clearly I would say yes for Jeter. So you're saying a hypothetical? Sure, but some people, they vote on a personal level. Mm-hmm. 
and that's how they choose to vote. And, and if the the reason is to keep another guy on the ballot, and it is JJ Putz, that's then we're kind of discriminating because we say, well, Bobby Abreu should be left on the ballot, and that's where the vote should go, and not one of these guys like a shown Figgins. Right. Right. I didn't think we'd jump into the ballot thing that quickly, but yeah. No, no I, but it's, it's important because yeah. I think it really is something people are talking about a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, why isn't this guy 100%? Right. And it's like you're saying. I mean, there's so many guys that have not gotten 100%. So if you're going to start it now, you know, they're going to find a lot of players that weren't as good as some of these all-time greats mm-hmm. that are getting in with 100% of the vote when, sure enough, it'll probably be a problem for some of these historians and saying, wait a minute, the babe wasn't 100%. And that might be another reason. I don't want this guy to be 100% because some of the classics, some of the legends in this game are not. And I don't know where you are, but I'm just not ready to call Derek Jeter a legend of the game. But you could say, in a way, he is legendary because of all the accolades. Even still, he's not a top 10 in the sport. No. No, he's a top 10 all-time shortstop. I'll give you that. Yeah, but I'm not sure, giving you top sure. 10 all-time in baseball. Not no, even close. No, he's not going on the Mount Rushmore of baseball players. No. no. He, I don't even think he would go on the Mount Rushmore of Yankees. I think he would. I, I actually think he would. Yeah? Yeah, I'd say Gehrig, you go Mantle, Ruth, and Jeter. So and Maris isn't, isn't on there. Yogi isn't on there. DiMaggio's not on there? Oh, yeah, DiMaggio's a tough one. Gehrig's to not on there? What's that? What's that? Lou Gehrig isn't on there? Yeah, that was my first one. Okay, Gehrig. so Gehrig, Gehrig Ruth, Ruth, Mantle, and Jeter? Yeah, and or if, I mean, if you think DiMaggio deserves it more than uh, Mantle, but I can't, no way, I, I can't do it, or Gehrig. And no pitcher so, makes it, then. No, no pitcher makes that... that, that top four no i guess not yeah all right well let us move on to the next hall of fame inductee that's larry walker and larry walker on his final year on the ballot finally makes the hall of fame i think deservedly so ben you think he's just on the fringe there this guy to me he's a hall of famer but he's he's on the cusp right for me he's not He's not a surefire Hall of Famer, okay. and I kind of—I always felt like I never felt like I was watching a Hall of Famer when I was watching him. I realized his arm was all world, one of the best arms I oh, ever yeah. saw growing up. But I mean, very consistent. Mm-hmm. Played a lot of those years in in Colorado where he was extreme. I mean, years in Montreal were incredible. Also, mm-hmm. um, awesome player. I guess he's a Hall of Famer. We are, we're, we'll get into that deeper because sure. we can definitely argue there are certain guys like a Todd Helton who you can argue has better numbers. I realize they're different positions, but you can still offensively look at these two guys and say, okay, you know, this is definitely comparable. Right. Now, Larry Walker won the MVP award in, in 1997. Uh, He is a seven-time Gold Glove winner, a five-time All-Star, a three-time Silver Slugger, and won three batting titles. The guy has a lifetime 313 batting average, a 400 on base percentage. He hit 383 home runs, 
1,311 RBIs, has 2,160 hits, and 1,355 runs scored across a 17-year career. Um, did not see very much of the postseason. Uh, only played in one game. I'm sorry, one series in Colorado in the postseason. That was in 1995. And then late in his career played in the uh, in the World Series, uh, losing to the 2004 Red Sox and went back with the Cardinals in 2005, losing to the Houston Astros. Guys, solid. You know, he's got a, he's also got 230 stolen bases to his credit. Some comparable names, and the first one that I came up with when we were discussing this off-air was arguably the best hitter I've ever seen and the best hitter of the, you know, since Ted Williams was Tony Gwynn, right? Tony Gwynn hit 338 for his career. It's, uh, you know, it's it's 20, 25 points better than Walker. Had a 388 on base percentage. It's not as good as Walker. Uh, only hit 135 home runs. That's, you know, 250 fewer than Walker. Uh, drove in 1,138 RBIs. That's about 200 fewer than, than Walker. Uh, did have, however, 3,141 hits. That's uh, almost 1,000 more than Walker. He won five batting... Uh, he had three... Uh, sorry, was it seven batting titles? Eight batting titles for, for Tony Gwynn. 15-time All-Star. 17-time Silver Slugger. Five-time Gold Glover. And you know what? He wasn't unanimously voted into the Hall of Fame either. So right. take that for what it was. You know, he's the best okay. hitter of all time. And if it wasn't for Tony Gwynn being a human being, Larry Walker would have won probably three more batting titles. Not to, Just to get off of um, Larry Walker for a moment and stick to what you were talking about with Tony Gwynn, but huh? Tony Gwynn did something with strikeouts that I just don't think anyone will ever humanly be able to do. Right. That 520 at-bats and have 16, not 60, 16 strikeouts mm -hmm. in 520 at-bats. And that was, you know, after a year where he had 530 at-bats, he had 19 right. strikeouts. He never and struck out more than 40, 40 times in a season. That's just silly. Like some of these 19, 16, 19, 19, 15, 17. These are in full seasons, folks. Mm -hmm. 28 strikeouts in 651 plate appearances. Yeah. Yeah. That man was incredible. And no, not unanimously I mean, voted just, into the Hall of Fame. This guy is, uh, yeah, Tony, just one of the best ever. Yeah. Potentially best pure hitter of our time. Yes, absolutely. I don't think there's even a... I don't, it's him and Ichiro, right? Like, that's pretty much the... the yeah, no, the I'd say Tony's better. Yeah. I would put Tony above Ichiro, probably. Um, but as we look at, you know, further into some of these guys mm -hmm. that are also in the hall or just... I mean, I brought it up before, guys that... You know, didn't make it this year. Todd Helton. Yeah. Where does he stand here? Okay, his batting average is three sixteen career in seven seventy nine hundred at bats. I mean, how about Larry Walker? Less at bats and a weaker batting average technically. Right. Um, Larry had three hundred sixty nine home runs. That's basically comparable. Yes, less than Larry. Um, on base percentage four fourteen. To Larry Walker's 400. I mean, Todd Helena, 414 on base percentage, but he's not in the Hall of Fame. Why? Is it just because of Larry Walker's defense being like the whole – I mean, that's the only thing 
that I can think of that he has over Helton at this point. I think the I think the voters have started to come around on the idea that Todd Helton spent his entire career in Colorado, and Larry Walker getting in and playing a bunch of his career in Colorado as well paves the way for Todd Helton to get in. Look, Todd Helton was a fantastic player. 1,400 RBIs, that's more than Larry Walker. 369 homers, fewer than, it's uh, about 20 fewer than, uh, 20. 10, 10 yeah, fewer than. more games, right? Right. Um, he had 592 doubles. That is more than 100 more than Larry Walker. Uh, the, the runs total, 1,401 for Todd Helton, 1,355 for Larry Walker. Over 100 more. They played the exact same number of years. They played very similar game totals. Helton was healthier. Let's be honest. He played a less demanding position. And that's why we talk about Larry Walker being the better player because of the gold gloves at a more demanding position of right field. Whereas Todd Helton... That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. The all-world arm. Yeah. But I don't disagree with you one bit that Todd Helton deserves to be in. And I feel like he's going to gain traction here in years to come because of Larry Walker's induction. If we look at other outfielders and other right fielders that uh, that Larry Walker compares to, the first one that I came up with, and I didn't think this was going to be very close, but I like the comparison to Vlad Guerrero. You know, 300, 318 batting average it compares very nicely to Walker's 313. Vlad Guerrero's on-base percentage is lower, 379 to Walker's 400. Now, Vlad was a different kind of guy, right? He was a power hitter first. 450 home runs, 1,500 RBIs. Certainly eclipses Larry Walker. But doubles totals, 477 to 471. That's right in line. Runs scored, 1,328 for Guerrero, 1,355 for, for Walker. They Walker played one more season, but I think this is a really even comp. And Vlad Guerrero was what? A first ballot Hall of Famer? Second. Second Unbelievably, ballot. he's second. Okay. So there again, another guy absolutely belongs in the Hall of Fame. Didn't even make it on the first ballot, let alone be be uh, unanimous. That's uh, controversial of the fact that he wasn't on the first ballot. It's just a, that seems like a mess. Yeah. You know, we talk about someone getting 100% or how much of the vote, but, I mean, it's a snub that Vlad was not a first ballot. Mm -hmm. I also look at a guy like Dave Winfield, who's in um, first Padre ever uh, to be in the Hall of Fame, I believe. Right. Uh, 283 career batting average, which is not as good as Walker's. Uh, the 353 on base percentage, not as good as Walker's. But a different kind of player, 465 career dingers, uh, 1,800 RBIs. So, you know, a lot of things that are obviously different, completely different type of player, but mm -hmm. still in there. So hard to say. I mean, I would say probably more of an impact player than Larry Walker. Sure. But even still, um, the better batting average, clearly, from Walker. Right. Uh, my... my generation past comp was Andre Dawson. Uh, we liked, we liked him at 279 batting average is not close. Uh, that's like 30 or 40 points fewer. 323 on base percentage is nowhere near Larry Walker's. Uh, but, but Dawson had 438 homers, 15, almost 1600 RBIs. Again, different kind of player. 314 steals is almost a hundred more than, than Walker. Uh, the 503 doubles by Dawson eclipses the 471 by by Walker, and the the hit total is 
far in Dawson's favor with 2,700 wa- uh, hits versus Walker's 2,100. How many at-bats for Dawson? Uh, n- almost 10,000. It was 99-27, whereas Walker had like 6,900. Uh, yeah, almost seven. Yeah, it was, yeah, he also played four more seasons than, than, than Walker did, so some of these numbers are a bit inflated, but I, th- I don't think you can pass on the idea – that Andre Dawson was the better power hitter, the bigger threat at the plate, despite the fact that he wasn't the pure hitter that Larry Walker was. Right. And Dawson was another one who had to wait a long time to get into the Hall of Fame. You know, despite being an MVP, an eight-time gold glover, a an eight-time all-star and a rookie of the year. You know, very comparable with the accolades that that Walker put up as well. Um, I think the final guy we hit on was back was uh, was Roberto Clemente, and Roberto Clemente is a good good comp here because again the batting average is similar in three seventeen to Walker's three what did I say three thirteen. Uh, the on base percentage heavily favors Walker. The home runs heavily favor Clemente. No, they favor Walker. Two hundred and forty homers for Clemente, three eighty three for Walker. The the RBI totals are very similar though. Clemente hit thirteen oh five to Walker's thirteen eleven. Stolen base totals, Walker's all the way. The doubles totals are also Walker's by thirty. Clemente played one extra season, uh, though he is in more or less, in my opinion, on the batting average, the the three thousand hits and the number of All Star appearances he has. Uh, and the gold glove appearances he has. 15... What, was, what was Clemente's OPS? Clemente's o- lifetime OPS is 834. Uh, it's... Yeah, so Larry Walker's got him there, yeah. 965. Yeah. You know, Clemente was a 15-time All-Star, 12-time gold glove award winner, an MVP, a four-time batting champion, and won the World Series twice, which is something that Walker can't, t- can't say. Never won a World Series and, you know, Clemente was a World Series MVP as well. But again, you look at some of these names and you think, oh yeah, those guys are first ballot Hall of Famers, no question. Well, Larry Walker had stats to back it up. The only question that anybody ever had was Colorado. How much did Colorado infect him? He can't help where he plays. That was not, you know, this is not a case of Larry Walker took PEDs and he, and he improved his, his way of playing. MLB put a franchise in Colorado. Players have to play there. And when great players play in great situations, they perform well. And this is the case of Larry Walker and Todd Helton. Benji, I think the final guy we're going to hit on extensively here is going to be the guy who just missed making the Hall of Fame this year, and that's Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling got 70% of the vote. He fell 5% short. I feel like next year is going to be the year for him. And let's talk about his career, man. Let's talk about the, the 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 20 years that Kurt Schilling was in Major League Baseball. My favorite memory, obviously, being the Bloody Sock game in 2004. But there are other memories that you can think of when you think of Kurt Schilling. Yeah, I think it kind of starts with the Phillies mm-hmm. in that postseason against the Blue Jays. That was kind of the emergence, I believe, that was 93. Uh, yes. And... Uh, and um, I think it just has, it's gone on from there, and he seemed for a minute to get better with age. I am sure there is a PED suspicion that gets attached with Kurt Schilling sometimes. He has said that there was a time where the owners confronted him about suggesting 
to do it, and he said he felt very uncomfortable with that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily a ploy to just make him look like he had nothing to do with it or not. Right. But the career ERA under 3.5, um, what can you say about the 2000 uh, playoff and the run that he had with Larry Johnson? Oh, Larry Johnson. Larry Randy Johnson, Johnson. Grandmama. Okay. Yeah, brought in <laughs> Grandmama. Wow. It's been a long day. It has. With the big unit uh-huh. and Kurt Schilling going on that run in 2001 with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Right. Uh, of course, breaking the curse in 2004 and then doing it again in 2007. Three rings. Uh, what, what the the postseason? He's what twelve and two or something crazy, with uh, under two point five ERA. Uh, yeah, certainly a Hall of Famer. Uh, we're going to compare him to guys like Mussina, who I think you can argue that Schilling is a better pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I can see both sides of that argument. Yeah, we've got four guys here that uh, that will be the comps for him. But the one thing I want to point out here, and we talk about this every year as far as fantasy is concerned, you want to try to get a pitcher on your fantasy team that's going to go 200 innings, right? That's, that's right. kind of the kind of the thing. Kurt Schilling was blowing away 200 innings. 2002, 259 innings. 256 innings in 2001. 268 innings in 1998. Like, this is these are numbers you're not going to see. You know? These are just ridiculous numbers. Um, 22 wins in 2001. 21 wins in 2004. Uh, never won a Cy Young. Was never the best pitcher in baseball. You know, six-time All-Star was the was the MVP of the World Series in 2001, the NLCS MVP in 2001 as well. You know, this is a guy that you handed him the ball and you knew you were going to get a game out of him. He was a gamer. He would take the ball every fifth day regardless of what was going on. So oh, complete warrior. Absolutely. You know, just absolutely. absolute warrior. Could take the ball at any time. Seemed like a guy that could fight through injury. Yep. Um, 3,200 innings. Mm-hmm. Um, I realize things like that don't stand up against um, Mike Mussina had 300 more innings. Right. But to have less three 300 less innings, but still to eclipse him by, what, 300 strikeouts. <sighs> I mean, Kurt Schilling was about a strikeout an inning. Right. So that's uh, more than I can say for some of these guys right. that have made it in. They weren't doing that. The strikeout rate to me with Kurt Schilling and the postseason accolades makes him a surefire Hall of Famer. Sure, and that's one thing I think we need to compare when talking about these guys that we're gonna that we're gonna hit on is the postseason numbers of those pitchers we're comparing him to. Because Kurt Schilling, there's an argument to be made that he's the best postseason pitcher of all time. You know, eleven and two record, two two three ERA. Uh, 133 innings with 120 strikeouts. Like, he was just unreal when the calendar turned to October. So, let's dive into Mike Mussina here. And, and again, Yankee fans who are up in arms about Derek Jeter not making it first ballot. Mike Mussina wasn't. And Mike Mussina arguably got in quicker than Kurt Schilling as an inferior pitcher. Mike Mussina, 270 wins. It does eclipse Kurt Schilling by quite a, quite a substantial amount. But I think that has more to do with the fact that you know, Mussina was pitching in front of those good Yankee teams for a long period of time. Uh, and more innings as well. Sure. A 3.68 ERA, that's worse than Schilling. Uh, the strikeout total, far, far inferior to Kurt Schilling. 2,813 innings, or I'm sorry, 2,813 strikeouts over 3,562 innings. Kurt Schilling, 3,116 strikeouts. 
Uh, Musina did play two fewer seasons, so there's something to be said about his uh, his strikeout totals going up had he played two more years, but I digress. It's a case of, you know, Musina gets in with, with, you know, his seven gold gloves, his five-time all-star appearances, and... Just being the the ace of a rotation that was just so good in the in the two thousands for the New York Yankees, you know, right. this was a dominant team, and Musina was always he was never a guy that anybody thought of when they thought of the best pitchers in baseball, but he was always there at the end of the year with some really with a really good stat line. And very I think, consistent. He got his twenty win season on his last season. <laughs> very good with Baltimore when mm-hmm. he first came up. So. Yeah, I, I'm not saying he's not a Hall of Famer, but I, I think if he is, Chris Schilling is, I mean, Musina's almost 3.7 ERA already yeah. makes me kind of scratch my head. Right, right. The next comp we'll move on to here is John Smoltz. Now, John Smoltz is an interesting uh, case in and of himself because he did lead the league in saves for two years in the middle of his career. Uh, you know, in 2002, 2003, and 2004, he was a closer. So on top of all of the things we're going to talk about about John Smoltz, let's not forget that he has 150 saves to his credit as well. So that's something to be said. Now, John Smoltz, 213 wins. That's right in line with Kurt Schilling's 216. A 3-3-3 ERA for his career, pretty much right in line with Schilling's 3-4-6. 3,473 innings pitched, just a little bit more than Kurt Schilling, but Smoltz did play one extra season. Uh, The strikeout totals, 3,084, right in line with Schilling's 3,116. Now I get that Smoltz got in first ballot because of the addition of those saves. But when you look at at Smoltz, he won a Cy Young. He was an eight-time All-Star. He was uh, a, a, he was the NLCS MVP and won one World Series. This is a really good comp, and this is a guy that got in very quickly, whereas Kurt Schilling is still having to wait. Um, right. It's a, and it's only if we're really excluding what he did as a bullpen pitcher, because he was, I mean, he was magnificent in that role. You yes. say with Mariano, he was the other best closer in baseball, certainly the best in the National League when he was doing it. So we consider that with it. But, um, yeah, again, I I looked at two of these, Smoltz and Kurt Schilling, while they were pitching, said these are two of the best pitchers in baseball. Right. And if we look at postseason like we were talking about, again, Schilling's postseason numbers are nasty. The 11-2, the 2-2-3 ERA, and the strikeout per inning. You look at a guy like Mike Mussina, 7-8 with a 3-4-2 ERA. He had more than a strikeout an inning. His whip was pretty good, but the results just weren't there. And right, for- and he, he had more of an opportunity to swing it because he played more games or more innings than oh, yeah. Schilling as in the postseason. Oh, yeah. He, uh, Schilling had 133 innings. Actually, Musina had 139. They're relatively oh, close. It's, it's pretty, only one fairly game. close, fairly yeah. close. John Smoltz, on the other hand, had, what, every single year he was in the playoffs because he played for the Braves? 15 right, and the ones that he was injured. Right. 15-4 and four record in the postseason. Th- 2.67 ERA, which is very comparable Excellent. to Schilling. Excellent. 209 innings pitched, 199 strikeouts. So you're talking about a strikeout an inning. You know, again, just a real rock-solid postseason pitcher. However, uh, Smoltz had 14 
seasons in the uh, in the postseason, 25 series, whereas uh, Schilling only had five years with 12 postseason series. The next guy I think we need to bring up here is Tom Glavin, another another Hall of Famer, first ballot, two-time Cy Young winner, 10-time All-Star, and you know he's a 300-game winner, and that was the one thing that pushed Glavin to 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 a first ballot Hall of Fame Hall of Fame candidacy. When you look at him compared to compared to 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 Kurt Schilling, the ERA for Glavin three five four to Schilling's three four six. That's better. Amazing. That's better. Yeah. He played two more years than Kurt Schilling. Uh, he has twenty six hundred strikeouts to Schilling's thirty one hundred. Uh, Glavin's innings total is going to be more because again, it's a different time. He was playing on a much better team. That team you know, relied on their rotation to win games. You know, right. the, the fact that he stayed healthy for as long as he did is another contributing factor. You know, Schilling did battle a few injuries, but yeah. you know, it's a solid, it's a solid comp there as well. The postseason right. is where Schilling absolutely eclipses Tom Glavin, right? Again, 11 and two record two, two, three ERA for Schilling 14 and 16 for Glavin a 3-3-0 ERA, 218 innings, 143 strikeouts with a 1-2-7 whip. Schilling is by far the better postseason pitcher, despite the right. fact that Glavin had so many more opportunities to succeed. And you can almost argue, because of the ERA, that Schilling could have been a better regular season pitcher. Sure. Maybe not over a string of games, maybe not for a season or a couple of those other worldly seasons that Glavin had, right. but over a course of a career, I mean, I vividly remember Glavin being a disappointing pitcher for the Mets. Yes. At least in 2003 when he came onto the team, he was a major disappointment. We know about the game that he threw out there in the last game of the season against the Marlins. That probably uh -huh. hyped up the ERA just a little bit in 2007. Right. That one that just ruined the year. The you know that could have all he needed to do is pitch one of those great games then, and the Mets would have been playing game one sixty three. Mm -hmm. So, as much as I remember Glavin being a superstar pitcher at a certain point, I also remember him being kind of unclutch as well. Right. No, I agree with you, and there are plenty of examples of that throughout his postseason uh, appearances. You know his uh, his terrible game in the two thousand NLDS against St. Louis. Uh, another bad game against San Francisco in the 2002 NLDS. You know, 92, he had a bad game against Pittsburgh. Gave up 10 earned runs in that series. You know, just just a bad, unclutch appearance from this guy across the series that he that he really you really expected more of him. Um, and Schilling just did not let you down once the once the calendar turned to October. Schilling was rock solid. Right. The final name we're going to compare Kurt Schilling to here is Roy Halladay. Now, Roy Halladay uh, has himself two Cy Youngs and eight All-Star appearances. Was a was he first ballot Hall of Fame? I think he was. Um, yeah, I have to double check. I'm not sure either first or second. Right. Um, Halladay has a has 203 wins across his 16 years. Uh, again, Schilling had 20 seasons, so his 216 wins don't. They're comparable, but again, Halliday had four fewer seasons. Uh, a 3.38 ERA is just slightly better than Kurt Schilling's. 
the 2,749 innings that uh, Halliday pitched compared to the 2,117 strikeouts. I don't think he was ever going to catch Schilling's 3,116 strikeouts, even with right. four more years, because toward the end of Halliday's career, he was already 36. He wasn't pitching well. He was playing bad by that point. Um, but again, an ER, a whip of 118 to Schilling's 114 over his career. And Halliday, postseason-wise, doesn't have a whole lot of experience because he only played two seasons in the postseason, 2010 and 2011. He was good, but the Phillies just didn't succeed there. Right. No, throwing a no-hitter against the Cincinnati Reds. Right. And, um, yeah, but, uh, like, again, the, the whip is better from Kurt Schilling. And the fact that his ERA is just a little worse than Halliday, but played longer, it's almost like that's even more impressive to me. Right. So I think we I think we agree that next year Kurt Schilling is going to get in. I think it's about time. It'll be his ninth year on the ballot. The the questions remain about the next two names that finished on the ballot, which are the big steroid guys, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Where do you sit with them? I guess it depends on what your opinion is. Is if you can just look away from everything in the past that they're connected to and. Um, I don't know where we are as far as if we can kind of put an asterisk next to him or have some some kind of uh, section in Cooperstown dedicated to these guys mm -hmm. because it's hard to tell the story of baseball without talking about Barry Bonds, without talking about Roger Clemens. You can say the same thing about McGuire and Sosa. Right. Now, I'll say that these out of the steroid guys, Bonds and Clemens are the best ones, yes. and they're probably in the hall without doing them, and with, before they started doing them. Right. So, for me personally, I guess I, I my my opinion has changed a little bit about it, and I wouldn't be I wouldn't have a huge problem with that and being in. But I also think there's the reason for that is because I'm seeing guys like Pudge Rodriguez get in, mm -hmm. which I have a great deal of suspicion on. Mm -hmm. And even Frank Thomas, who never got caught with anything and admits that he's always been clean. It's just suspicion, and that's not really sure. fair. And throw it into Piazza. If you're going to ask me if Derek Jeter has ever done something, I'm going to say yes. So I'm just going to assume that everyone kind of did it a little bit. Maybe Clemens and Bonds more so. They obviously, there's more connected to them as well. So I guess I'd have to accept the fact that because it's in an era where everyone was doing it, they should be in as well. Right. I, I, I kind of stand with you here. And, and the one thing you hit on that I that I kind of want to get off my chest here, this is something that, I, that I've said to a few people off air and I've said to, said to some friends. But I think if you're... If you're of the mindset that Derek Jeter was completely clean for his entire career, I think you're a bit out there. Because if you look at the New York Yankees over that period of time, he played literally right next to arguably the biggest steroid bum in the history of baseball in Alex Rodriguez. And his team included Jason Giambi, Gary Sheffield, Roger Clemens, Andy Pettit, Melky Cabrera, uh, Francisco yep. Cervelli, Robinson Cano, like yeah, how you're many? Just throwing in all these names that are somewhat or 
completely attached to it. Exactly. Absolutely. How many names do you, and even smaller names like Jason Grimsley, who was on the Mitchell Report, you know, so many guys have come through that team. And if you're going to tell me. Right. And it's, and it's so unfair, by the way, it's so unfair for us to say because they did it, therefore Jeter must have done it. I don't no. think that you or I can say that it's fair for us to say it, but it's we're, it's fair for us to make an assumption yes. based on what you're saying that all of these guys that were teammates of his, I think that's okay. Here's what I'm willing to say. I'm willing to say that do I think it's possible that Derek Jeter was approached by Brian McNamee, who was the personal trainer of you know Roger Clemens? Do I think that it's possible that they came to him? Remember that injury he had in Toronto where he separated his shoulder and was out for like two sure. months? Is yeah, it possible that third. he is it possible that he used something to try to get back from that injury? Yeah, I think it's possible. Andy Pettit said he that's the reason he did it. Andy Pettit and Derek Jeter were really good friends. Is it possible? Yeah, I think it's possible. I have no proof, but I think if you're if you're blind to the idea that Derek Jeter was this bastion of of of, of clean and and 100 he was the he was the good guy among the entire team of other guys who were not clean i think you're being a little you know I, yeah, I, you might be kidding you might be kidding i think yourself. you're kidding yourself i agree yeah i think you're kidding yourself if he's the only one because from top to bottom superstars to francisco cervelli like they were that everybody was doing it yeah Giambi, so, like you said mm-hmm. i mean sheffield uh, for sure yeah you know just yeah. The list goes on and on. Melky, we know he didn't need service suspension. He did. I mean, he did. So yeah, absolutely. I just it seems it's it's hard for me. I'm definitely dubious that he's completely devoid of anything. Right. You know, there just I mean, it's it, again I I don't have any proof at all. Neither one of us do. Mm-hmm. It's just I think it's fair for us to assume so because everything like it was just a wild wild west in that era. Right. Right. Let's move on to the final piece here we're going to talk about, and that's the 2021 Baseball Hall of Fame ballot. And Ben, it's an ugly one. Um, This is the reason I sort of think that if they're going to induct Clemens and Bonds along with Curt Schilling next year, next year is the perfect year for it because there's not a whole lot of guys coming on the ballot that you're like, oh my God, I need to have this guy in the Hall of Fame. I'm going to read off all of these names, and I think by the end we're going to have exactly zero guys that I believe will be Hall of Famers. But any name you want to pull out of there after I'm done, I'll be happy to talk about. All right? Tim Hudson, Mark Burley, Tori Hunter, Dan Harron, Barry Zito, Aramis Ramirez, Shane Victorino, Alex Rios, Grady Sizemore, A.J. Burnett, Nick Swisher, Aaron Harang, Darren, uh, I'm sorry, Dan Ugla, CJ Wilson, Latroy Hawkins, Michael Kadire, Corey Hart, Adam LaRoche, Rafael Soriano, Jeremy Affelt, Grant Balfour, Jason Marquis, Kevin Gregg, Skip Schumacher. Those are the new guys on the ballot. I think there are zero. The years go by so fast. It does not feel like that long since these guys were playing baseball. Right. So if there's one or two names that maybe I pulled out of there, 
I guess one would be Mark Burley. Yeah. I feel like he had a couple of good years and some steady seasons. And the other guy was maybe Torrey Hunter, but I never felt like Torrey Hunter was a Hall of Famer. Just solid, solid player. I mean, but, you know, Jose Guillen was a solid player for right. a couple of years. Yeah. So, no, I just, this is, if anything, I'm still going rah-rah for Todd Helton. Mm-hmm. I think if there's any bugaboo on him, it might be his road home splits. Mm-hmm. But besides Schilling and besides the guys like a Clemens and a Bonds, I would think it's Todd Helton. I, I can't see any of the names that you mentioned. Tim Hudson had a 20-win uh, season. Sure. But that's, I mean, that's about it. He was able to close the season with a World Series championship. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, I mean, a lot of these names are just guys that have they have an accolade here and there. They have a championship here and there, mm-hmm. or they've had a couple of nice seasons. But this is—I mean, this is even the this is the hall of good, not even the very good. Yeah, really. no, this is just the hall of the hall of, of really good, of decent players. You know, Tim Hudson, two hundred and twenty-two wins, three four nine ERA, two thousand and eighty strikeouts over thirty-one twenty-six in innings, seventeen-year career. Good, very, very good. good. Yeah, not a I whole like thing. the ERA career. I just, yeah. I mean, I don't feel like you even played enough because he probably missed a lot from injury. Yeah, not a Hall of Famer. Mark Burley, 214 wins, 381 ERA, 3,283 innings, 1,870 strikeouts with a 129 whip. That's not a Hall of Famer. Not a Hall of Famer. Right. Not a Hall of Famer. Torrey Hunter, uh, 8,857 at-bats over 2,372 games, a 19-year career. He hit 353 home runs, 277 batting average, 331 on base, 1,391 RBIs, 195 steals, uh, 498 doubles, and 2,452 hits. Probably not. I'm leaning towards no. I'm leaning toward no as well. I'm leaning toward no as well. Nine gold gloves. I think the only thing that makes me w- that w- that would make me feel like Torrey Hunter is a Hall of Famer is because I would w- when you watched him, you knew he was the best defender in baseball. Like you knew yeah. he was the best outfielder in, in center baseball. field. Yeah, maybe yeah. even better than Andrew Jones all around. Right, there was a point, yeah. and that that's saying a lot. Yeah. So yeah, you looked at him. You said he is one of the most athletic. And I remember even as an older player, he was saying, I'm a five-tool player. I'm tired of people thinking that I'm old. Like, I'll play the game as long as I want. Mm-hmm. And then when I feel like I'm done, I'm done. Yeah. And, you know, I think he was the guy that was aware of how talented he was. And there was a couple of seasons where he was one of the best outfielders. But in our league, in the bigs, I don't even remember him ever being a first-rounder. No. Um, no, he was never I a first-rounder. Like he, right. He, what stood out to us was how great his defense was, mm-hmm. and that he was a clutch bat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the rest of that list, man. I. What am I going to pull up? Dan Heron's numbers? No. No, you're not going to pull up Aaron Harangatang. No. You know, you're not no. looking up Jason Grimsley. Grady or Sizemore. Grady Sizemore is one that interests me because he was on a trajectory to be a great yeah. player. Oh no, the injuries, injuries derailed, derailed that him guy. In a hurry. You know, his first four seasons were amazing. And then just absolutely did not, yeah. He put together his final four seasons, like, hideously. He had 10 years in the bigs, hit 150 homers, and stole 150 bases in 10 years. 
But if you really think about it, it's only four years that he did the vast majority of that. You know, the guy the guy deserved better, and unfortunately his injuries just crippled his career. Benny, I think that's going to put a nice bow here on the Hall of Fame. Thanks for being here with me. Uh, thanks for having me on again. Was never a fan of the person, but I have to say I was a fan of the player. So congratulations to Derek Jeter. Congratulations to Larry Walker. Uh, they can certainly say that they deserved it. They had, hell, they had amazing careers. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to talking more about it with you uh, on another occasion. Absolutely. Guys, if you're listening to us on Spotify, give us a follow. We, are, uh, we have 40 other episodes over on YouTube. So search us over there and find us. If you guys are watching on YouTube, go ahead and give us a subscription. That's going to be right here. And our most recent upload, which is going to be uh, probably Catchers or the uh, the episode about uh, about the signings that just went down. That's going to be right over here. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. Give us a follow on Twitter. Give us uh, give us all the love you can because we're looking to we're looking to do big things this year. Until next time, it's been real. It's been fun. It's always real fun in the bigs. We'll see you next time.